In a compact room just big enough to fit four people, a producer, two spotters, and Beaver Stadium's public address announcer, cue cards and scripts are passed around to be heard in front of hundreds of thousands of people. Countless color-coded papers containing names and jersey numbers of players line the two folding tables within the room. On cold days, the sliding glass window is closed. On exceptionally warm ones, the window stays open, allowing the screams of 107,000 fans to fill the small room. This is where the magic happens. Good afternoon, ladies and gentlemen, and welcome to Beaver Stadium as we get ready for today's military appreciation game, the Nittany Lions and the Hoosiers of Indiana. Fantastic. There you go. That's Dean Ottifer, better known by his broadcast name, Dean DeVore. He's the voice of the fourth largest stadium in the world and the second largest in the United States, Penn State's Beaver Stadium. I'm Hunter Kelly. This is Sideline Stories. Hundreds of thousands of people hear his voice five or six times a year for Penn State football's home games, but most don't know the person behind that voice. Dean is not only the public address announcer for Beaver Stadium, but he can also be heard daily on the radio waves. All right, not a pretty weather picture to start your work week. Here's AccuWeather meteorologist Dean DeVore. Yeah, it is going to be a, a really ugly day here. Windy, raw, and cold feeling. So dress for comfort if you're going to be walking around the city. The real fields are going to spend a lot of the day in the 20s. But we'll get to that later. I sat down with Dean DeVore to explore his life and his journey to doing the many things he does now. Yeah, so I guess we'll, we'll start out again. Um, talk to me about, like, what is, you talked you, you talked a little bit about your name. Mm. Explain that to me again. All right, so I was born uh, Dean Otthofer, O-T-T-H-O-F-E-R. So uh, early on, I kind of knew when I was getting into this business that I wasn't going to be able to use that. So I had to talk with my dad, and uh, I said, Dad, I'm sorry, Otthofer is just not going to really cut it. So my mother's maiden name is DeVore. D-E-V-O-R-E, and it just kind of was very alliterative, right? Dean mm-hmm. DeVore just sounds good. So um, I decided early on I was going to use that, and it stuck. I got the gift of gab from my mother, more so than my dad. Mm-hmm. <laughs> but uh, so that's that's the name thing there. So you said you, you, you grew up kind of around this area. I grew up in Millersville, Lancaster County. Okay, yeah. mm-hmm. okay. So how did you get to Penn State, find your way here? Um, in the seventies, when, uh, I was growing up, I remember like seven, the 79 sugar bowl. Mm-hmm. I remember my first trip to Tuscaloosa and I went into, uh, Bear Bryant's offices and they had that four panel of the th- four plays up the middle. And I remember that very vividly as a young guy, you know, on our floor watching that game in the living room with all my family and, that was kind of like when Penn State got on the map in high school. I went to Penn Manor High School in Millersville, uh, Lancaster County, and there was a few of us that were really interested in Penn State. Um, I was in the marching band in high school, and that attracted me because uh, Penn State's band, as we know, is pretty amazing. And so that's kind of all part and parcel. And then, as I just said, uh, my mom was from McAlevey's Ford or just over the mountain as you go past Pine Grove Mills and over 
uh, to uh, the areas down there by um, um, Shavers Creek and, the, and those areas down in that area. So I've known this area since I was a kid. Uh, I think the first game I came to, actual game, was 83. It would have been my junior year. We played Brown. <laughs> <laughs> I remember that because uh, Coach Paterno's uh, went to Brown. And so that was a big deal back then. Uh, got here in 84, and I got stuck. <laughs> I've never <laughs> left. So early on, school and I were okay, and then it didn't go so well. At that time, I was also starting to do a bunch of things with athletics uh, in terms of kind of background stuff, being a part and a member of the band. Uh, the, the pep band stuff back in those days wasn't as formalized as it is now. It was more of a student thing. So uh, I ran the pep bands my last, uh, my junior and senior years of my first go-round in school. Uh, I didn't finish. I actually transitioned into working full-time in radio. And you got to remember in the 80s, that was a little, you know, you got to finish your degree, you got to finish your degree. Um, but I did come back. So I worked in radio for about seven years locally, um, WRSC. And this is back when <laughs> the radios were all differently configured than they are now in terms of ownership and stuff. But RSC and MAJ were the two big radio stations. Both stations were doing the same things back in those days. We were both covering women's basketball. We were both coming, covering wrestling. I did wrestling play-by-play, women's basketball play-by-play, high school sports play-by-play, including high school football, and then about 1989, right, uh, my first year into the radio stuff, I was living with some of uh, some lacrosse players. And they came to me and said, you know, we'd really like you to announce at our games. So that was the first PA sport that I ever did. So. Mm. And along with that, mm-hmm. now you have a bunch of other hats that you wear <laughs> here at Penn State, right. along with being the PA announcer for Beaver Stadium. Mm-hmm. Talk to me, talk me through kind of what, you do, uh, in, oh. in your words. So, yeah, and I think we talked about this when we were kind of setting up the, the interview was, you know, most, <laughs> I still have a lot of people think, oh, you must just, that's all you do is you're the announcer for Beaver Stadium. And I guess they think I make a living at that. That would be nice. That mm-hmm. would be, what, seven, eight, nine times a year. That would be a, that would be a cool job and get paid and, and live. But, no, I've got a, a real job. I'm a meteorologist at AccuWeather. I've been there now. I've been with that company 22 years. That uh, See, some of these, Hunter, this all starts mounting up, and then I start feeling old. Uh, so 22 years at AccuWeather, uh, about two or three years into it, they decided that one of their best ways to get the most out of me was to uh, help me become a meteorologist, a, a certified meteorologist. Uh, so I went, and they paid for me to get a degree, a meteorology degree, which I did, and so now I'm uh, kind of the chief morning meteorologist on big radio stations across uh, the country, including 1010 Winds in New York City, WWJ in Detroit, KMOX in St. Louis, WBZ in Boston. Um, I also do some work with WBBM in Chicago. So all the big iconic radio stations that I actually listened to as a kid under the pillow and my transistor radio kind of hit it from my parents so I could, you know, that's what technology was like back in the day, Hunter, when I was a kid. We <laughs> hit a transistor radio to hear uh, things in our in our pillow. Um, what's kind of cool now is you can hear all of those radio stations by just saying, hey, Alexa, or hey, Siri, I want to listen to, and it's really kind of cool. And so audio and podcasting and all that kind of stuff has taken a, a whole different twist in terms of, I think, its importance. But 
So that's my real job. So that's a Monday through Friday. Mm. I hate to tell you my hours. I get in there about 3.30 in the morning and in there till about noonish. So wow. that's not that's not a very fun thing, but wow. it is what it is. You talked a little bit about how you got into weather. Mm. Hmm. Kind of expand on that, and, and where did the path between weather and broadcast mix for you? Well, it's kind of the same thing as sports and broadcast. So things that I love and things that I'm passionate about, I seem to find a way to be able to communicate that to other people to share that passion and really to inform. I think um, that's my biggest role at, as a PA announcer and, and really in anything I do. The love for weather started when I was a kid and I'd be, you know, getting yelled at by mom and dad for being out on the on the porch too long in a thunderstorm. Uh, certainly the snow aspect, you know, every kid is enamored with snow. But I think now it's a whole different ball. I mean, there was an element of surprise in it when I was a kid. You know, I think there's we still get surprised. Obviously, I still get surprised uh, with my forecast, you know, but. Uh, it's not as surprising anymore. I think we have a pretty good handle on what we're going to get. Um, I think the actual nexus between all of that is the the similarities between weather and sports in terms of the way that they are communicated and 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 you try to help people. So when I'm doing the weather, I kind of do it in a play by play kind of format you know, being chronological, thinking how people think in terms of what's impacting them. Kind of like when I'm doing PA or radio for sports, I'm trying to imagine myself, if I'm listening, I want that person to be my eyes and ears to be looking at the things I'd look at. What's the clock say? What's this look like? You know, how loud is it? And what is it? You know, how does it feel? Things that I can't get without somebody telling me if I'm just listening, not watching. So um, there's, there, I think that nexus of all of those things really came together and helped everything. I mean, I, I think my ability to do sports has helped my weather. I think my ability to do weather has helped sports. We certainly can do a whole thing someday about how that nexus has gone in the stadium. Absolutely. Especially at the beginning of the year, we had that uh, delay finally. I was, I was actually going to touch on that. Yeah. It was interesting mm-hmm. how... For the pit game, mm-hmm. your two lives, so to speak, kind of meshed together. Right. When you, I was, I was out on the field, and right. I, I heard you talking about the weather, right. and I saw it up on the on the sure. on the big board, and mm-hmm. um, and and kind of telling people to get to a, a safe spot, and and it was interesting to me how those kind of how how interestingly enough those lo- those paths cross there. We had been waiting for the day when we would have, uh, and, and we really didn't even get the true one that we're all waiting for, which is we're in the middle of the game and they have to evac- we have to evacuate. So the old timing of that thing actually worked into our benefit because it gave us the opportunity to run some things down. I mean, I'll be honest, uh, early in the days before we had the kind of staffing that we do at games, it's amazing to me the, the rate of change in terms of and, and a lot of it's born by what people need and want and, and want to know. And so, you know, back in the day when I started at the beginning of this 20-year tenure of being the voice of Beaver Stadium, I was kind of the ad hoc meteorologist. We've now, uh, the, the stadium staff has a meteorologist that they bring in from AccuWeather to help coordinate that. But I, I agree, Hunter. I mean, it does help. I think that I'm able to communicate what's happening. 
you know, so many times you hear people tell you warnings and stuff. So if you don't get the context of what somebody's telling you in a warning, you're not maybe going to act on it. Sure. So I believe that in that situation, I can give the context. Hey, we want people to be out of the stands. The players can stay because it's easy to get them off. But you can see up on that radar right now, there's a line and it's only so-and-so, you know. And so I think adding those kinds of contextual things helps the uh, – and, and really what we're trying to help is keep people safe in that regard. Mm. Um, but, yeah, that uh, I'm sure – the way the weather's going, we may have to do that a little <laughs> bit differently, and 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 we'll do it better next time, I think. But uh, all in all, I think it was a good chance to have a run through with a situation that, because you know, we always want to keep everybody safe. Now you talked about how you got your start in PA announcing. Mm-hmm. When what was the start for you in announcing at Beaver Stadium? Well, I had started in '89 with lacrosse. 94, I got women's volleyball um, because one of the players, uh, Salima Rockwell, was an All-American, and she heard me announcing, I think, lacrosse or soccer. I can't remember which one, and she went to Coach Rose and said, we need to get Dean to do it, and that was 94, and then I've been doing that since, so that's what, now 26 years, God, those numbers. Hmm. Um, then about 99, uh, Steve Jones was doing the PA, Fran Fisher was doing radio. Fran Fisher uh, retired for the second time because <laughs> Fran had retired and then came back, and then Fran retired. Steve moved, as a, a lot of us thought he would, from PA into the radio role because he was already doing uh, basketball play-by-play, so he became the football play-by-play. So they needed a PA guy. The guy that had done it before was doing uh, Roger Corey. You know Roger. Travels with you guys. He's been doing radio, too. And so uh, they had an open tryout. Uh, I think there was eight of us that tried out at that on that day. It was in the Jordan Center, and they put us down there. And one of the things they did was sight reading, kind of like if you folks uh, have tried out for anything, playing an instrument. Sometimes they put a piece of music in that you haven't seen before, and they call ask you to sight read it. And that's because that's kind of a, a skill. I don't know how I've learned it, but it is. You know, you can set something in front of me, and I can kind of make it sound like I've read it seven times before, but I'm not reading it and that kind of thing. I don't know how that works, but it just does in my brain. And so um, I think also at that time they knew what they were getting with uh, that I have a track record of being reliable for uh, lacrosse and volleyball and the other sports that I had done. And so uh, Frank Gardenia and um, these are some old names for older people that might know these names, Frank Gardenia and Bud Tallman and um, – Greg Myford were all names at the time that were in charge back then, and there we go. I got it in 2000 and had it ever since here. So walk me through a game day for you because certainly, just like anything else, your your preparation for game day doesn't mm. start on the game day. No, no. Talk to me on a, on a game week like mm. the one we're in right now. Okay. We're about to go into yep. Indiana. Right. Walk me through kind of – your process of, of getting prepared for a game? Well, today's Monday, so today's kind of my off day, and I think, uh, I, I don't know what about anybody else. I think in production, I've already gotten a couple of emails, but I haven't, I don't do anything active. Tuesday, we have a, a production meeting about 1 o'clock in the afternoon where all the major p- parts of the production, PJ Mullen with the music, Dana Krause with the marketing, uh, the video people, the cheerleaders, the band, we all come together 
have about an hour meeting on Tuesday around one o'clock and kind of set the tone and, and, and we'll know at that point what the major presentations are, what, you know, anything that we're doing, talk out some issues. If there's some, uh, you know, people are wondering about, can we make this work or that work? And anybody has an idea and stuff. And so we leave that meeting and we're in pretty good shape in terms of knowing what we need to do. Uh, during the next couple of days, sometimes between PJ and myself, we'll record some of the stuff that you hear. We've been doing that more. Uh, the, the honorary captain read and the NF players in the NFL and that kind of stuff. We actually found it sounds better and we can match up to the video if I pre-record those kinds of things. So he and I end up doing that through the week. Um, and then, uh, as far as the game script, I really don't usually get a copy of the game script until, uh, the final game script until Friday, kind of glance over it a little bit. Um, then, you know, some days and weeks with as busy as I am, I don't really get to my game stuff. Sometimes they'll either late Friday night or Saturday morning. And a lot of times I wake up, you know, because of my clock and my, my, my body clock, I wake up at two, two thirty in the morning. So even on game days, I'm usually up by three or four. And so even on a noon game, like we have coming up, that I'll have to be up at uh, there about 8.30 or so in the morning. I'll still probably have some time to work on my charts. Um, now, for for away teams coming in, mm-hmm. you know, because I'm sure you've gotten very used to our team's yeah, names. Absolutely. How do you prepare for names that might be a little <laughs> tougher to pronounce? And right. I'm, I'm, there's a lot of them. Yeah, um, I'll get charts and, and, and stuff from the team as I'm – they might be able to release it. Some schools release their travel roster before they get here. Some don't. All of that's diluted down. Uh, I'll go through that. And then, really, it's the day of the game. I spend about 10 minutes with the opposing SID and really drill down on, especially ones that I, uh, I'm i a little concerned about saying. And, and then I have my own kind of way that I mark um, things up. Everybody has their own pronunciation guide, the way they, they write things and stuff. So... Uh, but that's, I, I, I take, I'll tell you what, Hunter, I take great pride in that. I, I take great pride in saying everybody's name right. They're, the other team may not get as much gusto with saying the name right as a Nittany Lion, but I want to say their name right because, you know, again, I think my role is to um, accentuate and to bring forward everything that's going on the field, not who I am or what I do. It's really about you guys. Sure. And that's something that, you know, a lot of people don't see is what goes into that preparation. And, and along with that, do you do you get any any breaks at all? <laughs> I mean, because you're there right, the right. full game and even for halftime, right, you're right. with the blue band. Yeah, I, I announced for the blue band, too, now. So, yeah, I don't really unless uh, there's a visiting band or the blue band's usually done. And there may be something after a presentation where there's a couple of minutes where I can like go to the bat. But yeah, I have to really, <laughs> I have to watch what how much I drink during the game in terms of stuff, so I'm not uh, having to run back and forth. I will say there is a pretty strategically placed restroom, pretty near the booth that I have um, made in and out in about a minute and ten. Wow. Yeah, it has a great view out the back of the the stadium. Over, Those are really? yeah, oh yeah, it's one of the best views of a bathroom I think How on about campus. That? I, I'll, I'll take a picture sometime. You have to. You. Yeah, but it's it's back out over um, the IM fields and the IM building and the parking lot there, and it's just like I don't get a chance to enjoy no, that you view because I need to be quick <laughs> and 
get back into the booth. Do you get nervous still? You've been doing this for so long. Hmm. Yeah, there are, there are times. Um, I actually now, uh, you saw me at Michigan State a couple of weeks, and mm-hmm. I'd sometimes, I mean, I hadn't, I'd been to MSU, I'd been to um, Spartan Stadium as a fan a few times, but then we'd never, the band had never been there, and we, I'd never announced in there. So I was a little nervous because you don't know exactly how the people are going to be and what the, you know, the biggest thing is, for me, when I get into a big stadium, how's the sound system? By the way, that sound system sounded really... Did you notice that in Michigan mm-hmm. State? I sounded really good. Mm-hmm. In fact, I sent that to some of our sound people and said, we need to sound this good at Beaver I, Stadium. I agree. I agree. Beaver Stadium's tough, Hunter, because it's so big and uh, you know the wind can be an issue here, and it's just hard to get the, the, the sound right. But yeah, it was... Uh, you, you, that That's the kind of stuff that makes me nervous. Probably not the actual execution of things. Um, and then if I feel like maybe I'm a little bit less prepared than I need to be, that's can when you can feel a few butterflies. But I don't think that's any different than an athlete, right? You know? Sure. You know, so because you're so... You, you talk about preparation and game week preparation, but I've been preparing for this kind of stuff for 35 years. I mean, everything I've done has is, 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 is been preparation. In fact, you know... With, Going back to this past weekend, I was working with a, a lady named Jen James, who's uh, one of our assistant athletic directors in charge of events and stuff. And she's like, I just love working championships with you because we've worked so many together. And so, like, like you trust your teammates. You, you just learn to trust and you know what the other person's going to do. And I don't have to worry about that. He or she will take care of that. And so all of that has been preparation over the years. And I think that gives you a quiet confidence when you get into a situation. And then, of course, I just don't look at the people, right? A hundred thousand. It's a good. That's a good way to to go about it. To, to <laughs> it's hard not, not to see nervous. them out my window, hundred. Of no. course, <laughs> no, all hundred, hundred plus thousand of right. them. Thank you very much for for, for doing this. It's with been me. a pleasure, man. So by now you know Dean Devore's story. You know there is, in fact, a man behind the famous "Welcome to Beaver Stadium" monologue, and the first down Penn State calls. And every time you hear them, you'll remember everyone has stories. No matter how in the background they are or how obscure their work is, everyone has stories to tell. I'm Hunter Kelly. This has been Sideline Stories. Hundreds of people work tirelessly to make sure what they do on game day is remarkable. But one man works tirelessly to make sure his work goes unnoticed. That's next time on Sideline Stories.